This is football. I'm Kevin Clark. CJ Stroud is a superstar. Let's start here. Question. How many teams would trade their next 10 years for Houston's? And I think sometimes when I ask this question, people say, oh, well, you're, you're overreacting. I'm not trying to overreact. I'm actually, I'm asking you. How many teams would say, okay, here's our next 10 years. Here, here are the variables. Here are the coaches we have, the GM, the young quarterback, the succession plan, the ownership, whatever. We're going to take the 10 years that we have coming up and trade them for Houston's. Knowing what we know on, it's about to be January 14th when this, this whole thing drops, this, this episode. We're, by the way, doing micro episodes every playoff night. So this is, this is, that's what this is. Um, so we're going to do pods, shorter pods, obviously, because there's only two games, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then next weekend as well. Um, but I think the answer right now is alarmingly small for coach, GM, and then quarterback being the biggest thing. And then the roster, because what we saw on Saturday was the beginning of something. Um, and I think that it wasn't just CJ Stroud making bucket throws. If he didn't have that, and people were calling it an overthrow, by the way, that was not an overthrow. It was a, a, a route that looked like it may have been dead and it was a lazy route. That should have been a long touchdown pass. But if he didn't have that, CJ Stroud would have basically been perfect on the entire night. Youngest quarterback to ever win a playoff game. First rookie quarterback to win a playoff game the year he was drafted in the first round since Mark Sanchez. Um, he did in 2009. Remember that? I was in college. Um, so, but it's not just that. It's not, this isn't just like a star is born. Oh my God. We have a new, we have a new Mahomes. Not that. Laramie Tunsil completely swallowed up Miles Garrett today. It was a total. Derek Stingley played awesome today. It was a total talent domination of a team that I thought had a really good roster. The Browns, people were saying, oh, the Browns on the road, they always stink. Like, I don't, I can't explain that. What I can explain is that Houston completely pasted them on a talent-to-talent basis. Um, the pressure numbers were insanely favorable to Houston. By the way, just quarterbacks. So first of all, the, the, the key to playing well under pressure if you're a quarterback is to not get pressured, like just have play behind a good offensive line. But if that's going to happen, um, make sure you play well under pressure. That's not something that is normally consistent one game to the next. But C.J. Stroud was an absolute stud under pressure today. Uh, seven of eight passes completed, 118 yards, was not sacked on the afternoon. Joe Flacco under pressure. 31 rating, 6 of 10, uh, and then through the pick six. By the way, last time a playoff game had two straight drives ending in pick sixes. Come on, guess, 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 guess. You remember Rich Gannon, 2002. Well, I mean, not even Flacco was that old to be in the league back then. Um, by the way, Flacco now has as many touchdown passes for the Browns as Deshaun Watson does. 14 each. Tough. Um, all right. So. I think the answer, let's just go through this right now. I think the answer, first of all, you're you're kind of baking in unknowables, right? Um, I'd rather have Houston's future as an example than the Bears. Um, and I don't even know what the Bears, like what their quarterback situation, whatever it is. Whatever the pathway is, I'd much rather have the the knowns. And that's CJ Stroud, that's D'Amico Ryan's, that's that roster. 
Um, and again, not trying to overreact. I think in the AFC, the only teams that wouldn't trade their next 10 years, Bills, Chiefs, Ravens, I think that's it. I think that's it, knowing what we know. And by the way, like rookie contract, again, it's all baked in. And this is not me overreacting. I'm telling you how NFL teams operate. Somebody said, by the way, I thought this was funny, that like the Packers, just the way they operate, they would say no just because they, you know, they're just going to stick with the plan. We're not going to trade anybody for anybody else's future. We're going to stick with the plan. Um, Packers, by the way, have a great argument just because of the, how, Jordan, how Jordan loves to play in the last couple of weeks. But I would actually, I'm going to lean Houston there for the next 10 years. Lean Houston. But the Packers are on my radar. NFC, 49ers. I would still say Eagles because of Howie and the roster and Jalen Hurts. And then that's it. I think I'd rather have Houston's future next 10 years than, than Dallas. Dallas won the Super Bowl this year, but that's not what this question is. Um, so that's, that's where we're at. Um, I think that this is probably a pretty rough time if you're a, a, a GM or a head coach trying to make excuses for why your quarterback hasn't proceeded quickly and saying, oh, the infrastructure has to be right, blah, blah, blah. The infrastructure is right in, in Houston. And we, I've already said this before. CJ Stroud would look very bad if he was playing Carolina. He'd look better than Bryce Young, but he would look nothing like what he looks now. But I think that we oftentimes make excuses for different quarterbacks. All right, one more year, one more year, one more year. When franchise-changing quarterbacks don't wait around, they just change the franchise. That's what they do. Um, I know that sounds reductive, but that's just, that's just what happens. Um, when Patrick Mahomes came into the NFL, um, I remember Mays and I did, Robert Mays and I did a podcast like at the end of that month. And we talked about how, you know, in 10 years, Mahomes probably going to be the best quarterback in football. Right. And I think sometimes we know, and now there's, there's counter examples like, you know, Carson Wentz looked like an absolute stud in 2017. And I think his downfall we would have never guessed in a million years. I was I was at the game where he tore his ACL at the LA Coliseum, and it was like the light had gone out of the sport. It was, oh no, not him, not Carson Wentz. And he went from, oh, we can't lose him. He's so valuable to the year and to the watchability to a guy on the bench for Super Bowl. Nick Foles gets a statue and now he's an industry-wide joke. So that can happen quickly. But I think we have to hedge our bets here and just say that um, this is a proof of concept here. Like most people have never reached the highs that CJ Stroud has. And that's why it's worth, that's why it's worth arguing this. Um, by the way, kid's first birthday party today. Total chaos. Not, not right. Was not warned on that. Just tons of babies. You just got, you got to grind through it. It's like, it, it, I'll tell you what. I, as soon as I came down, I had, I had my, my son in my arms. I, I delivered him. Everybody's waiting down there because he's waking up from a nap. As soon as I get down there, I was like, I'm just going to get through this. I'm just going to grind through it. And then I, that is, that's playoff football. It's not going to be pretty. You're just going to say, all right, I got three hours of this, and then we're going to get out. It was a great time, but you're just, you're just you know, totally overwhelmed. You just don't want, there's a bunch of one-year-olds. You don't want them to hurt themselves. Um, you know, just stock up the beer, stock up the fridge with beer and just, just, just hope for the best. That's, that's, that's playoff football. That's raising a one-year-old with 15 other one-year-olds. They're singing, singing songs together. Um, 
so I, I, I don't know how you'd come away from Saturday with the Texans not being top of your mind. Like the Browns, first of all, I mean, we talked this with Barnwell the other day. Browns, Joe Flacco is overrated, turning the ball over quite a bit, having a nice deep ball and, and giving the Browns something that they haven't had uh, before this season, obviously. Um, but I kind of saw this sort of thing ha- coming on the offensive side. On the defensive side, this was a complete disaster. Miles um, Garrett can't do this. And so I didn't know this until today that Laramie Tunsil has historically absolutely owned Miles Garrett. One pressure in 40 matchups, uh, matchups is in snaps um, since 2018. Lowest pressure rate allowed to Garrett over that time frame. Um, I do not believe, I do not believe Miles Garrett had a pressure on the night or at least didn't have anything, no significant plays affecting the game in the backfield. Um, afterwards, I actually listened to Miles Garrett's press conference to see if there was a reason for it. Basically said, chipped a couple times, but mostly it was that CJ Stroud hung in there and wasn't flustered, got the ball to his spots, found gaps in the pocket to throw. And he said they had a ton of close plays, but but they couldn't get home in anything. All three of his touchdowns, Stroud's touchdowns came on play action. Two of them to the tight ends, Brevin Jordan and, and Dalton Schultz. Um, this was a guy just, just hanging back there. And I don't know, like it's the, the, the young QB thing. We can anoint them so quickly. I mean, like the, the thing that always, I mean, aside from Carson Wentz, the thing that uh, sticks in my head is the 2012 quarterbacks, Andrew Luck and, and Robert Griffin III. The destinies of football seemed set at the end of that season. That RG3 was going to be an absolute superstar with Washington. Andrew Luck was going to win all sorts of Super Bowls, plug and play with it with the Colts dynasty with, 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 with um with Peyton Manning, and then just didn't come to fruition. But first of all, injuries will undo that. We haven't seen that with Stroud. Um Stroud's a different player. Um Stroud took a couple big hits today. Um, but it's a little bit of a different situation. And I almost feel like because of the big hits that generation took that this generation is getting a little smarter at that. You think about, I, I remember a Kevin Seifert story midway through the last decade, basically showing that the hits, the actual hit level, because of the running, um, because of a couple of other, you know, the RPOs and all that stuff, that these guys were taking an unprecedented, the, the luck generation was taking an unprecedented amount of hits, way more than before. And we remember, you know, freaking... Jim McMahon getting pile driven into the turf, at, you know, concrete astro turf and say, oh, that's bad. And it was, it was, it was horrible. And it was the worst generation to be a football player ever. But the actual like number of hits these guys were taking in games was way, way more. And I think that you saw like Kyler Murray is amazing at this. Lamar Jackson's amazing at this. These guys understand, Stroud's a significantly different player, but I'm, what I'm saying is these guys are coming into the league, understanding how to not take hits in the pocket. If they want to scramble, um, Mahomes, great example. Like he is the guy who will, and he broke his helmet tonight, but he, Mahomes is a great example of a guy who, if he wants to scramble, he will find a way to not get contact. Andrew Luck was the exact opposite. Andrew Luck loved to, he literally said he liked to get hit so that he would get, basically get his juices flowing. Like, okay, that that's bad. That's stupid. Um, and so I think these guys understand now how to play that level of game. And so I actually think in a weird way, injuries over and where general wear and tear is actually going to be less impactful going forward. It's just a kind of a junk science theory I have. Um, but that's just, that's just something to watch. Um, anyway, 
Uh, I don't really have many other thoughts on this game, um, except this is the version of the Texans that is going to be very scary to the rest of the league. Texans fans deserve this. They had a, a character coach running wild in the entire organization, acting like Littlefinger, getting all this power. Bill O'Brien was a good coach who got too much power. Ownership issues, um, the Deshaun Watson situation. Like, I, it has been... And then before that, even when they were good, in kind of the Matt Schaub, Gary Kubiak era, they weren't A, weren't good enough. B, they were always in the sort of Saturday night, don't pay attention time frame. They were never a marquee team. They never seemed like they were in the mix with the big boys in the AFC. And it just feels like this has the real potential very quickly to be the best era of Texans football. Now, I know that sounds like I'm not joking. Like I do think that they've had some nice seasons. I think people quickly forget about it because it's not a marquee marquee franchise with a marquee fan base and all that stuff. But Texans fans deserve this. And there's no reason that D'Amico Ryan, CJ Stroud, big personalities, obviously amazing at their job. There's no reason this team cannot be a marquee team. Now they might lose next week. And, but don't, I mean, like I already read you the stats about the, the youth on the team, um, the youth on Stroud, like, you know, this is, don't, don't confuse this. Next week is not a referendum on what this, this franchise is. Um, this franchise looks like it's got the special building blocks. And I, I, as I said earlier, um, there's not a lot of teams that would take the next 10 years, uh, of their franchise more than Houston's. Um, all right. I, I, I don't even want to talk about Cleveland right now. Like I will, we'll do a midweek. I, I, I hinted at it a little bit. Miles Garrett, like if you have, if you, Jim Schwartz got out coached by Bobby Slowick, Bobby Slowick should probably get a head coaching job. Jim Schwartz should probably not. Um, if Kevin Stefanski wins coach of the year, that's going to be very awkward because I'm seeing a couple other guys. If, if Miles Garrett wins defensive player of the year, that's going to be kind of awkward. Um, but I also don't want to change the voting. Please don't change the voting. That'd be very stupid. Why should you bet with Caesar Sportsbook? Two words, Caesar's Rewards. Every bet brings you closer to the types of benefits only Caesars can offer. Hotel stays, VIP experiences, sports and concert tickets, and more. It's not just an app, it's an empire. 21 and up must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Utah, and other states where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, Crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. Or Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Or West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, if you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, please call 1-800-327-5050. 
or visit gamblinghelplinema.org for 24-7 support. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Um, all right, let's flip it to the other side. Um, I don't think anybody learned much about the Chiefs. I wonder about the weather real quick. If you saw the weather in Buffalo, the game got moved to Monday. So it looked at basically like a frozen hurricane in western New York today. And I understand why you can't play it, but that video that came out, and you can find it anywhere, it was on it was on the NBC broadcast. The video of what Buffalo looked like today made me desperately want to see football in that weather. Desperately. And people were like, oh, well, that's uh, you know, you wouldn't even see it. It's so hard to see. Well, you know what? I've seen a lot of football games totally clear. A lot of them are bad, not worth seeing. I would love to just one one shot at a game where I had no idea what was going on down there. And I know we've said we've had the fog bowl, we've had a couple other snow bowls, but you couldn't really see what was going on down there. Let's just try. We have better technology. We have those 8K cameras. Let's just try. Um, but I understand you couldn't get people to the stadium, you couldn't get workers to the stadium. Even if you played it with no fans, it would still be impossible to get the players there. So I understand why they're, why they're not doing it. I understand now why you're building a dome. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's, I understand everything except man, I would love to see a winter wonderland game like that. I would love to see that. And I'm, I'm a little sad. We don't get a sort of a, a lesser version of that. And maybe, maybe something will still happen by, by Monday and it'll be, it'll still be memorable. Um, there was some, so Wade Phillips said this on Twitter that he thought that the offense has an advantage because the defense can't in cold weather, cold weather like that, because the defense doesn't have as much of a get off, um, slow reaction times on the pass rush, all that stuff. There was some data the NFL put out that, that said that was true. Basically, um, that, that both teams were getting off slower, uh, far slower than the, the NFL average, um, which I, I found to be interesting. Um, hugely disappointed with Tua tonight, hugely. Because I thought they were going to lose, and they were going to lose quite badly. If I saw this score, I'd say, yeah. And well, if I if I saw the margin victory, I'd say, yeah, that, that seems right. I thought they put up more of a fight on the offensive end. Now, I knew they were going to lose because they just weren't healthy. It was it was it was over weeks ago when you lost your two best pass rushers on a per, pa, on a per snap basis. Um, you know, David Howard banged up a bunch of guys just kind of limping in. And I said, I think it was this time last week. I said, do not use that as a referendum on the season. And that's what we're going to do now. Partially because Tua was that bad. Partially because Tua was that bad. Um, But I also feel like I'm not wavering. I think Mike McDaniel is one of the three best play callers in football. And I'm not wavering from the idea that Tua can win a Super Bowl with that play calling. Um. I don't think that I don't think you can reach those highs like you did in September and October when the team was healthy. And like, I just still don't understand what being soft means in this scenario. Like I understand he has a bad record in cold weather games, but he also historically throughout his career just has had kind of a mediocre record. This isn't like, this isn't Mahomes. Like he, he Tua lost a bunch of games earlier in his career. Um, so, and he was out last year when the team was good. Um, and Skylar Thompson started a game, so he lost lost some wins there. But um, I think that this was the, the conversation becomes now: what do you, how do you extend him? How do you extend him? My question, if I'm Chris Greer, Steve Ross, whatever, 
I go into Mike McDonald's office and say, hey, how many guys can you do this with? How many guys? Like, is it the 25? I mean, it's the same question with Brock Purdy, right? You ask Kyle Shanahan, you say, all right, man, close the door. No one knows this but us. How many guys can you do this with? And if the answer is, in Shanahan's case, I could, I could 100% do this with Sam Darnold, then you know what to do with contract stuff. Now, I'm not saying trade him or cut him or whatever, if that's the case. I'm saying protect yourself in contract negotiations because you don't want to, you don't want to be the guy that if, I mean, the cap's going up like infinite amounts per year. Like you can afford to pay a quarterback a decent amount of money and still protect yourself. You don't have to give them $250 million, but you can figure out what that looks like. You pay as you go deals, kind of the same stuff that was, um, popularized about a decade ago with guys like Andy Dalton, um, Colin Kaepernick had one of those, where it's basically just like, we're not going to give you massive amounts of guaranteed money. We're going to give you lots of money, but fewer guarantees. Maybe it's something like that. And if, and if a guy doesn't want to sign that, that's that's fine too. We can we can figure that out. But I think you go to Mike McDaniel and say, is Tua so good at running this offense that we have to give him X amount of guaranteed money. That's, that's the question to me. And I think you're probably going to get an answer that is splits the difference between what the best biggest Dolphins fan thinks and what football Twitter thinks. I think you're going to probably see, I don't think that, um, you know, Mike White can do it. I don't think Mike White can do it. Uh, I'm trying to think <laughs> what other, uh, he's the backup by the way. Um, but I also think that, mm, you know, I'd love to see some, maybe it's different because, because of just different players, but you know, can Justin Fields do this? Can, I mean, think about all the different guys who are, I knew he would do it differently, certainly. Um, but like all the guys who could conceivably become available if you've decided to not extend to a Tagovailo. I'm just throwing different things out there. I'm literally not, I'm just saying that's an example of a guy who might become available. Um, Kirk Cousins, if you want to, you know, if he, if two is going to be expensive, is Kirk Cousins going to be more expensive or is it, he's the type of the guy. And it sounds like he wants to stay in Minnesota, but I'm just saying, um, are, are there names that are going to shake available? You could do this with the same amount of money or less that would be better. That's the question you have to ask Mike McDaniel. I think the answer is Mike McDaniel probably wants to play with Tua. I believe his public comments. I don't think he's full of BS. I really do think he wants to be the quarterback there, and I think he will end up being the quarterback there. I think we're probably – I said this a week ago. I said this is going to be the offseason from hell for Dolphins fans because the takes, as soon as they lose, or it's going to be they're a finesse team. They can't play. I mean, this was the worst-case scenario because it was the cold weather. It was the – you know, it was uh, – they got – I mean, they really did get bullied by the pass rush, but by the Chiefs. The Chiefs were after them all day long. I understand that part of it. But also, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year and are significantly better. And I think a lot of times, unless you're the damn Texans, a lot of times you have to learn how to win in this league. Last year, Mike McDaniel did not get that opportunity. Um, they were playing with the third-string quarterback. It just nothing, nothing worked there. Um, this year, unfortunately, they're not healthy, and they play the defending Super Bowl champion, and things go south from there in the third coldest game in the history of football. Um, so I don't think that there's – Nothing to worry about in Miami, but I also think that it's going to be there's in significantly better shape than the takes will have you believe. There will there will be some takes on the Dolphins in the next couple of months you should not take seriously. If they are healthy, if they get 
if they upgrade the roster at all, they are still, I know that sounds crazy. They're probably my, my pick in the AFC East next year. And I know that having seen that, we love to throw the baby out with the bathwater, say they stink, whatever. They're still my, my, my pick to win next year's AFC East based on everything in the organization, based on roster talent, based on coaching, based on what they can do with the quarterback. Josh Allen's a heck of a lot better than Tua, but what they can do with the, with the offense, Tyreek Hill, I think he's probably the best player on either roster. Um, and by the way, unfortunately, I have to say, I do not anticipate much from the Jets or the Patriots. So uh, I'm just, I didn't expect to call the AFC East race at uh, at 12.02 on January 14th, but here we are. Flynn, you have questions. I do. We're going to start with a Browns question from Phil. What is their plan now with Joe Flacco? So I actually had this thought at halftime when things started to look like they were going south because Flacco was playing just okay and then things devolved later in the game. Is it now a problem to bring him back? And here's what I mean by that. Is it now? So he's not so good. He's going to take Watson's job automatically. And like, there's a scenario here in which if Flacco wins, to if they get to the AFC title game, right? Then there might be a scenario, and they can't they can't cut Watson. But there might have been a scenario where it's like, you know what, we're going to bring him back. We're going to try to figure this out. Like, we, you know, he's a folk here in, in Cleveland and like whatever. There's an, or, you know, if he wins the Super Bowl, they bring him back. That kind of thing, right? There were, there were kind of a couple of unrealistic paths for him to be starting next September or in a, an actual competition with Watson, whatever. Um, and I think Watson's played poorly enough to where you'd have to ask those questions. But um, this game probably gives the organization an out. I don't think Flacco is so valuable that you bring him, you have to bring him back. He's old. He has played uh, poorly in a bunch of different stops um, and wasn't, I mean, the story was a better story than actual production in this one. I think kind of what I was saying about Tua, I think there's a bunch of guys who could give you what Joe Flacco gave you this year. Um, And I would go get one of those guys as the backup and, and go from there. I do not, I do not, I've not, I've not spoken to anybody there, but um, I think with the way their quarterback situation is handled so delicately, I'd be, it, it would be, it would cause a lot of drama if Joe Flacco is there on, on, uh, on July 28th in training camp, because it would be a competition at that point. I'm not sure that's something that, that they want. Up next is Gene. When does Lovey Smith go in the Houston ring of honor? So this is it, right? Like this is the whole, the, it dunked, Lovey Smith dunked on us. Because we all sat there. So if you don't know what, what the question is referring to, it's that Lovey Smith won a game last year. They gave them the second overall pick. And we said, what an idiot. How did ownership not do this? And guess what? He set them up. And he probably, like, the, the whole Houston situation was a disaster to begin with, going through three coaches in three years. Um, obviously, D'Amico Ryan's is going to make it to a second year. but Or four, four coaches in four years, if you think about it. Um, but... And God, counting interim, good Lord. Um, but I, I just, I think a lot of times 
what's the uh, what's the Garth Brooks song? Uh, it's God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers, right? Uh, I think that also might now be like a coffee mug thing, but I know that it was a, I, the first time I ever heard it was in a Garth Brooks song. Um, but now I think it's like in a, in a you know, live, laugh, love kind of wall plaque type of deal, right? Um, everybody wanted that first overall pick, and now the whole thing is that. David Tepper said, oh, I, well, I would have taken C.J. Stroud if I had the second overall pick or we almost traded for the second overall pick or whatever the heck he was talking about. And it's like, I I don't know how we missed that, that eval so badly that the, the Bryce Young was far and away number one. And we, we, we can go into this with other folks. But um, I think the person who should be happiest is not Texans fans. It's C.J. Stroud because Bryce Young is not bad. Bryce Young is not bad. He is in one of the worst environments a young quarterback has ever been in ever. And I hope for everybody's sake that they solve this now and they get the godfather offer a real offensive head coach with a real GM to fix the real roster. I hope that I never like short-sighted plans. But I hope they go out and they get a bunch of NFL caliber guys to fill that roster and 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 protect just like help him. I don't want to win eight games next year. Let's not do that. Let's get him on a throwing platform where he can hit NFL receivers with an NFL line and, and make our, and, and give him a chance because that that's the most heartbreaking thing to me is when teams fail quarterbacks and, and, and then everyone thinks that they failed. Finally, from Aza, would Mike Tomlin walking away from the Steelers be the biggest surprise coaching vacancy of the offseason? So this is based on the Florio report that he's going to take some time to just kind of take a step back and think about it. By the way, he's still in the playoffs. Um, it wouldn't be the biggest surprise because it's at least been floated, which Pete Carroll was not. Um, Tomlin's been there since 2000. Eight, I believe. Um, he has, he's young enough, even though I think he's a top five oldest coach, I think he's still only like 51. He's young enough to start a new project somewhere. I don't know where that could be. Um, he is, he is 51. Um, he's young enough to where he could take a year off, he could take two years off, he could go do media. He could go do so many other things. The The curiosity to me is if Kenny Pickett's not, not the guy, new, new-ish GM and Omar Khan, what does he like to do? Because I think what he likes to do is, I think he likes to have his group of veteran guys and kind of roll the ball out and maximize them every Sunday. I think coaching is fun for him in a way that, um, I think he enjoys the the grind, the process, all of that stuff. I think he loves getting players better. And I know everybody says they do, but like he's he genuinely does. Like when you're at training camp, it's 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 infectious. So what does he want to do? Does he want to get kind of start over-ish if Kenny Pickett's not the guy? Um there's a couple guys, there's some talent on that roster. Um, guys like George Pickens, TJ Watt, obviously, um, there's talent there. He's still good enough to make the playoffs, but you're, if you don't have a quarterback, you're kind of in, in limbo for a little bit. You're doing a little bit of a soft reset. So 
Um, that's what I'm I'm circling is like what is what is his appetite? Does he want to take a year off and then get a stacked roster this time next year? Does he want like would he be happy coaching the Eagles right now? I obviously probably wouldn't. It wouldn't happen because of Howie and how much power Mike Tomlin would want. But like I, I, it all comes down to what does Mike Tomlin want to do in the next couple of years, and what kind of team does he want to coach? Because I think we know where the Steelers is going, and what what is his appetite to do something like that? So I bet he comes back because I think he just, I think he was put on this earth to coach the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I think he's just so Pittsburgh now, 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 like he's become almost synonymous with the franchise, and. I don't think that that's something I think as much as you and I would say like, Oh, it would be so weird to see him coaching the Colts or whatever, coaching the Vikings. It's like, he probably feels the same way too. Like it is a different franchise. That is a different franchise. And it is not, it's not something he takes lightly. I've heard him talk about this. It is not something he takes lightly, how competent it is, how well thought out it is. Um, how, uh, I mean, it really is almost like a family style type of place. Um, and I think that he probably having been in other buildings long ago and also talking to other people, he understands probably there's a lot more bad facilities than good facilities in Pittsburgh, that, that, excuse me, in the NFL. And I'd be surprised if he walks away for no reason and just says, I want to try something new. So that's, that's my take. It would not surprise me because Carol was more surprising, but it would be the second most surprising thing. All right. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow night. Thank you for listening to the first. I'm, well, I don't even know what we're calling this playoff, playoff, uh, playoff special Saturday night playoff special. We will see you tomorrow night. Tomorrow night.